All right, brothers and sisters, praise be to our loving Alma that we are gathered once again to study his words and his commandments. Our, the topic for our BHP for today is understanding Apostle Paul. And when we speak of understanding Apostle Paul, we are referring to his writings, his letters, which comprises the majority of the New Testament scriptures. Now, why do we need to seek? Why should we ask from Yahuwah Abba to give us enlightenment, especially as we study the words uh, taught by the Apostle Paul. Let's read here the book of Second uh, Peter 3.15 and 17. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul, I want to pause there for a while. Here is Apostle Peter, right? We all know about Apostle Peter. He's one of the apostles. He's speaking about a brother Paul. Who is that brother Paul that he's referring to? It's the Apostle Paul. And so he recognizes the work of Apostle Paul. This is one apostle testifying for another apostle. And so he says regarding brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Why do we need to understand the writings of Apostle Paul? Because those who were ignorant and unstable, what do they end up doing with the writings of Apostle Paul? They end up twisting it to their own destruction. We don't want destruction. What we want is salvation. And so for us to be able to benefit then from the writings and the wisdom of Apostle Paul that Yahuwah God gave him, what must we do? We need to make sure that we properly understand Apostle Paul. Now, for us to be able to understand Apostle Paul, what do we need? First of all, we need to receive the spirit of Yahuwah Abba. Second of all, we must not be ignorant of scriptures. In other words, we need to know the context of the entire scriptures when we are reading the messages of the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Peter said, if we will not use our mind, and if we will not rely on the scriptures, we can misunderstand the Apostle Paul. Because certain things are hard to understand, according to Apostle Peter. And why must we be extra careful when we study the writings of Apostle Paul? Because if not, we could be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from our secure position. We don't want destruction. What we want is salvation. So we need to remain in our secure position. Now, when Apostle Peter mentions here the error of lawless men, what was he referring to? People who rob banks? People who commit murder. What was he referring to as lawless men? People who endorse the violation of the law. And so these are people who teach, but they say the law is no longer valid. It is already void. And so this is the error of lawless men. They use the teachings of Apostle Paul and make the conclusion that during the time of Yahushua, the law of Yahuwah Abba is void. We have to be careful with teachers like that. And so we need to look at the writings of Apostle Paul and make sure we properly understand his message. So we're going to go through some passages uh, that Apostle Paul gave us through the Holy Scriptures and examine them so that we can get the proper understanding using the context of the Scripture. So let's begin with this one, Romans 3, 27 to 28, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. And so this is one of the teachings of Apostle Paul. Are we against this teaching of Apostle Paul? No, we are not. He wrote it. It's in the Bible. We believe it and we uphold it. What are we against? The misunderstanding, the wrong interpretation, the wrong understanding of what Apostle Paul wrote here. Well, how do some misunderstand the teaching 
presented here by the Apostle Paul. Well, those who read it, read it like this. The law of faith makes the law void. You see, when they use Romans 3, 27 to 28, they say, because we have the law of faith during the Christian era, it means we're justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So the law is no longer valid. The law is now void because we have the law of faith. Is this correct? Is this a valid conclusion? It is not. It is an erroneous conclusion. Well, let's go ahead and look at the passage, analyze the passage, and see for ourselves what it actually says. We have to test all of scriptures. Why did Apostle Paul say that we are justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law? And does it mean that because we are justified by faith that we are no longer to obey the law. Well, let's go ahead and begin by asking the first question. Why does Apostle Paul see, uh, say that we are justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law? Let's read the book of Romans. Uh, we read 27, 28. To get the context, we have to say in the same chapter, right? So let's go ahead and look at Romans 3, 23 to 26. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why did Apostle Paul say that we are justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law? Because all of us are sinners. In other words, we have violated the law of Yahuwah Abba. And for us to be justified by the law, we have to obey the law perfectly all of the time. Can, anyone, can any of us make that claim? Probably not. As a matter of fact, if you, if you keep reading or if you read the whole of chapter 3, it mentions that all have fallen short of the glory of God because all of us are guilty of sin. This is why because we are guilty of sin, we cannot be justified anymore by the law. So what do we need then to receive salvation? If we cannot be saved by observing the law, well, how then can we be saved? Well, all we need to do is read the next verses, 24 down to 26, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Yahusha, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Yahusha. According to Apostle Paul, if we cannot be justified from the law, because all of us are sinners, how then is it possible for us to be saved? What is the answer of the Holy Scriptures? By grace. Did you get that? It's by grace. How can we have access to this grace? By faith. What must we have faith in? In the work of Yahuwah and Yahushua. How is this grace obtained? Not because of what we did, but because of what Yahuwah and what Yahushua did. What did Yahuwah do? He gave up his son. What did Yahushua do? He gave up his life. So that by his blood, the Bible says, Yahuwah passed over our sins that were previously committed. In other words, salvation is obtained not by what we do, but by what our loving Christ has done. We need to have faith in that. When we have faith in what Yahusha did, when he shed his blood on the cross, then we obtain the grace of salvation, not by our works, but by, by the work of who? Yahusha. That's the law of faith. The law of faith tells us if we believe in Yahusha and what he did, right, then we are added into his body through baptism. When we are in his body, because we believe in him and what he did on the cross, then we obtain the grace of salvation. Does it mean, however, now that we fulfill the law of faith, that the law of Yahuwah Abba is now void? We read Romans 3, 23 to 26. Let's read the conclusion of Apostle Paul. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. And so the law of faith, does it void the law of Yahuwah Abba? What is your answer? Certainly not. 
This was the question that was posed by Apostle Paul. Perhaps, perhaps he knew there, were, there, were, there will be those who will misunderstand him. And so he asks us, do we then make void the law through faith? What is the answer? Certainly not. In fact, the opposite is what we do. We establish the law. The Greek word there is to continue with the law. We don't negate it. We don't abolish it. We establish the law. It's like this. For example, okay, I'll give you a modern example. For example, let's say that we kill the person. I'm not going to, I'm not telling you to go ahead and kill a person. Let's just say we kill the person. What happens when you kill a person? You break the law, right? What happens to you? You go to jail. So you killed a person, you go to jail. That's your punishment. And then you go on trial, right? You have a lawyer and you have a jury and you have a judge. And so the trial commences, it's concluded. It's obvious you broke the law, you committed murder, you should go to jail, right? But the judge says, you know what, I'm gonna pardon you. You're forgiven, you can go free. This person who was set free because of the grace of the judge, what is he gonna do? Is he gonna go back and kill another person? Was he set free so that he can kill? When the judge set free this person, does he change the law about murder? No. Instead, this person is to now observe the law. He was set free not to break the law again. He was set free so that he can observe the law. Does it make sense? In the same way, we obtain grace from Yahuwah Abba, not so that we can break the law, but so that we can establish the law of Yahuwah Abba. Now, why is it important for us, we who belong to Yahusha? Why is it important for us that we live our life in obedience to the law after we have, through faith, have been in Yahusha. Let's read Romans 2, 21 to 24. You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who have poor idols, do you rob temples? You who make boasts in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. What is the expectation of Yahuwah Abba and Yahusha HaMashiach? For those who by the law of faith are now in the body of Yahusha and so have obtained the grace of salvation. What is the expectation? That we honor God, not dishonor God. You see that? How do you dishonor God? When you preach the law, but you don't follow the law. Also, Paul gave examples about stealing, adultery, idolatry. Isn't this part of the Ten Commandments? And so what is the purpose and what is the desire of Yahuwah Abba in placing us under the headship of his son, Yahusha, to obtain grace for salvation, to honor Yahuwah by observing the law, not to negate or make the law void. And so the wrong understanding we are no longer to keep the law because we are now under grace. That's wrong. The right understanding is we are given grace so that we can honor God by fulfilling the law. Okay. All right. Let's go to another one. Another one they use is Romans 6.14, which is what we discussed last week, right? Just for the sake of uh, those who listened to last episode's um, Bible study, but sometimes it can be hard to understand. Let's go through it really briefly, and hopefully it will sink in even more this time. Romans 6, verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So what is the wrong interpretation of this passage? They say we are no longer to keep the law because we are now under grace. So if you're under grace, you no longer have to keep the law of Yahuwah Abba. And so let's go ahead and analyze this passage of scripture, those who are under the law and those who are under grace. Does it mean if you're under grace, you are no longer to obey the laws of God? When Apostle Paul says here that we are not under law, what is he referring to? We get an idea by looking at the context. Romans 6 is our context. Romans as a book is also our context and scripture as a whole, of course, is also our context. But let's stick to Romans chapter 6, verse 14. What is the context there? Well, when Apostle Paul said, for you are not under, under law, 
what was it in relation to? Well, it says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law. And so Apostle Paul says, before we were under law, before sin had dominion over us, right? Something happened. All of a sudden, we are under grace. When we are under grace, sin doesn't have dominion over you because you're no longer under law. Well, what does that mean? That we are no longer under law. We talked about this last week, Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Yahushua, has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so when Apostle Paul said, sin should not have dominion over you because you're not under the law. He's referring to the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ, Yahushua, our Lord. What is the law of sin and death? If we commit sin, we have to pay the penalty of sin, which would be what? Wages of sin is death. That's the law of sin and death. We deserve to die. There's nothing we can do. The only thing we can hope for is someone is going to give us a gift. What is that gift called? It's called grace. How is this grace in operation in our life? When we have faith in our king, Yahushua. This is why the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ, Yahushua. So if we are in Christ, if we are under his headship, we are under grace. If we are under grace, the law of sin and death is no longer in operation because the wages of sin and death has already been paid for. This is why Apostle Paul, he, when he uses not under law, but under grace, he's telling us because we belong to our King Yahusha, we now are no longer under the law of sin and death. And what does Apostle Paul call this? Romans 6, 1, 4, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Same concept. Concerning the law of faith, right? Does the law of faith negate sin? No. Apostle Paul is saying the same thing about grace. What shall we say? And shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Yahushua, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so... We also should walk in newness of life. So what is the purpose of Yahuwah and the purpose of Yahusha in giving us grace by being baptized into his body? The Bible says so that we can walk in newness of life. Oh, how can we walk in newness of life? Let's keep reading 13 to 14. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being aligned from the dead and as your members, as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now we can see the context, right? When Apostle Paul said you are not under law, but under grace, he was referring to what was before grace. What was the situation before grace? We were under law, the law of sin and death. And when one is under the law of sin and death, then he or she is an instrument of unrighteousness. And so what has dominion over him is sin. But when one is under grace or under the headship of Yahusha, then the spirit is the one empowering him so that he doesn't have to have sin, have dominion over him. This is why Apostle Paul said, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you have a new head, Yahusha. And because you are under head, the head of Yahusha, you have the spirit now. And so sin doesn't have to have dominion over you anymore. You're no longer under the sin of death. You're no longer under the influence of sin. And so what is the expectation of Apostle Paul? That we become instruments of righteousness, not on righteousness and so those who are under grace they must present themselves as instruments of righteousness we were given grace so that we can live a life of 
righteousness. It's not the opposite. We were given grace so that we can reject righteousness. No, we are given grace so that we can uphold righteousness. Now, what is this righteousness? How can we uphold righteousness? In Romans 7, 7 and 12, uh, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Does it sound like Apostle Paul is making the law void? No, he's telling us the law is holy. The commandment is holy, righteous and good. So how can we uphold righteousness after receiving grace? Bible says by upholding the law of Yahuwah. Allahim. And so for us to live under grace, we need to maintain that uh, condition by observing the law of Yahuwah Abba, because it is righteous. And so the wrong understanding of that is we are no longer to keep the law because we are now under grace. That's wrong understanding. The right understanding is we were given grace so that we can be instruments of righteousness by obeying the law. Okay. All right. Let's go to another one. Romans chapter 10 and the verses 4. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone who believes. And so how, if, how do those who make the law void use, or maybe I should say misuse, Romans chapter 10 and the verses 4? Well, the wrong understanding of this passage is the law is ended, made void, it's destroyed. For those who believe in Christ, right? That's how they use Romans 10 verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law. So for those who believe in Yahushua, the law has ended for them. It is no longer needed because Yahushua, according to them, for them is the end of the law. So let's go ahead and ask ourselves, is that what Apostle Paul is teaching us? That the law of God is void because we already believe and already belong to our King Yahushua. Is that what Apostle wants to teach us? Well, let's go ahead and read the book of Romans 10, 1 down to 3 to get the context. Okay. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So what is the context of this passage? Apostle Paul is writing to the people in Rome and he's speaking about his desire for Israel to be saved, right? And who specifically? The people who he was working with because he loved them. His fellow Pharisees. Remember, Apostle Paul used to be a Pharisee, right? He used to be uh, a Judaizer. And he wanted to persecute the early followers of Yahushua. And so he wants Israel to be saved. He wants the Pharisees to be saved. But what's the problem? The Bible says they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Why did Apostle Paul say that their zeal for God is not according to knowledge. We all know about the Pharisees. What did they do with the word of God? What did they do with the righteousness of God? They added what? Leaven. That's why Apostle Paul said in verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, they established their own righteousness instead of submitting to the righteousness of Yahuwah. Abba, and we gave you examples of this, how they reject the command of God for Corbin. Remember that? And so because of the traditions of men, their own righteousness, their own ways of doing things, their own teachings, man-made teachings, what have they done with the word of God? They nullify the word of God. So Apostle Paul in Romans 10, 1, 2, 3, he is not abolishing righteousness. He's telling us what righteousness is. What is righteousness? It is what Yahuwah has taught us concerning the right way to live. Not what the Pharisees have taught, but what Yahuwah 
has taught us. So the context is righteousness and the importance of the righteousness of God. That's the context. And so after mentioning uh, verses one down to three, he goes on to say in verse four, for Christ is the end of the law, righteousness to everyone who believes. Does it mean in Romans 10, four, that the law of Yahuwah Abba is no longer needed for us to become righteous before God. That's not what it says. And the reason why uh, we get confused is because we're reading this in English. And when we read certain things in English, it doesn't, it doesn't come across accurately enough because there are nuances in the difference between Greek and English that we fail to see. For example, in Romans 10, 4, what, what Greek word is used when it says end, end of the law? What does it mean? Does it mean like destroying the law, making the law void, nullifying the law? What Greek word was used? Well, let's go to Blue Letter Bible, our favorite website, right? This is the passage in question, Romans 10, 4, Christ, end of the law. What Greek word is used? You can see it there. What is it? Greek word 5056, telos. Telos. What is the meaning of telos? Well, it could mean termination. Okay. It could mean the end, as in the last in any succession or series, right? Or it could be D, uh, the end of which all things relate, the aim, the purpose, telos. And when telos is used, it doesn't carry the idea of making something void. It doesn't carry the idea of nullifying something or destroying the something, right? And so when Apostle Paul used the word telos in reference to the law, he is not using it in terms of destroying the law. Rather, we believe it's D, the end of which all things relate, the aim and purpose. Because if Apostle Paul wanted to communicate, wanted to teach us that in Christ, the law of God is no longer needed in righteousness, then what Apostle Paul should have used is the word katargeo. What is the meaning of katargeo? It means to render idle, unemployed, inactivate, inoperative, right? To cause, to cease, to put an end to, to do away with, to annul, to abolish. And so the Apostle Paul is teaching us that when a person has faith in Yahushua or he belongs to Yahushua, that the law of God is no longer operative or it's no longer in effect. It is, to, it is already, it can be annulled or abolished. And he should have used this word instead of telos. But Apostle Paul used the word telos. And in other passages of scripture, Apostle Paul also used the word telos, but not meaning put an end to or meaning Voiding, for example, in Timothy chapter one, the verses five. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith on fame. When you read this passage, is Apostle Paul telling us that the commandment is voided? No, it says here now the end of the commandment, the telos of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and a faith on fame. In other words, for us to carry out the spirit, for us to be able to complete the commandment, we need to show a charity from a pure heart, a good conscience and faith on fame, right? It's the opposite of what we're thinking because in English, the word end conjures up the idea of abolishing, right? Of Annulling, but that's not what it means in verse five. And the Greek word used there is again, telos, right? In other translations of the Holy Bible, this is how it translates. Now the purpose, the telos of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and from sincere faith. And so what Apostle Paul is telling us is not that the commandment should be voided, but the purpose of the commandment, right? Is love from a pure heart, from a, uh, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. So there's a big difference. And you cannot see that if you are going to rely on a translator, because if they use the word end, E-N-D, automatically, what do we think? Oh, abolish, abolish, annul, 
make void the law. But that's not what Apostle Paul is teaching us. So when we read Romans 10, 1 to 4 in context, right? Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer uh, to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they be ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end, the telos or purpose or aim of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So Apostle Paul is telling us we don't need to be to live in righteousness. No, he's telling us how we can achieve the righteousness that Yahuwah God wants from us. How can we do that? Only through who? Yahusha the Christ. But once we belong to Yahusha the Christ, once we have faith in Yahusha the Christ, how can we continue living for righteousness by submitting to the righteousness of God? How can we submit to the righteousness of God? By obeying the law of God. And so those who have faith in Yahusha and are in him now, right, are baptized into his body. How do they meet and how can they preserve the righteousness Apostle Paul is speaking about here? All we need to do is so within context of Romans, of uh, book of Romans, in Romans 8, 1 to 4, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Yahushua, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Yahushua has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son, the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Remember the purpose of Apostle Paul in mentioning righteousness in Romans chapter 10. He wanted Israel to be saved, right? And so for them to be saved, they needed to obtain the righteousness of Yahuwah Elohim. How can this be done? It can only be done in Yahusha. That's why Apostle Paul says, if you're in Yahusha, there's no more condemnation. Why is there no more condemnation in Yahusha? Because the right, verse 4, the righteousness, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And so when we are in Christ Yahusha, him being our head, what does that mean? The righteousness of our King Yahusha is imputed upon the members of his body because we're identified with him now. He is our head. We are part of his body, one head, one body, one new man. And so if we are in Christ, we obtain the righteousness of Yahusha. And this is what Apostle Paul wanted the Israelites to see. They cannot rely on their own strength. Because it is impossible for a human being to obey the commandments of Yahuwah Abba by himself perfectly. Only one can do that. And that's our king, Yahusha. And now Apostle Paul is telling us, you too can be counted righteous by being in Yahusha. Because if you're in Yahusha, the righteous requirement of the law has already been fulfilled in us. Does it mean we're not going to do anything else? Now that the... the, the righteous requirement of the law has already been fulfilled in us doesn't mean we're not going to do anything else it's still in the passage right you notice the yellow what does the yellow say we must now walk according to the spirit not according to the flesh right do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit and so what is the purpose of yahuwah in placing us under the headship of yahusha so that the righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled in us. In other words, we will be made righteous before Yahuwah Abba. However, we need to maintain that righteousness through sanctification. This is why we have to walk according to the Spirit. Well, how can we walk according to the Spirit? What does that mean? First John 2 verse 6, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. What is the purpose of Yahuwah placing us in Yahusha? Not so that we would walk a different path, but so that we will walk just as Yahusha walked. 
Did Yahusha observe the Sabbath? Yes. Did Yahusha observe the law? Yes. We too must observe the law because the law teaches us righteousness. When we live according to the law of Yahuwah Abba, then we carry out righteousness and we're able to live a life of righteousness. And this is the purpose of why we have been purchased by Yahusha so that we can live out the rest of our lives in righteousness. Of course, as human beings, we're going to commit sin, right? We're not going to be perfect. But the desire to obey the law of Yahuwah Abba is now there because of the spirit of Yahusha in us, prompting us to walk the same way he walked. He becomes our example now. And so Yahusha purchased us, purchased for us our salvation, not so that we would void the law, but so that we can keep the law. That's the message of Romans chapter 10, 1 to 4. Look to Yahusha. He's the only one. This is the purpose of the law. The purpose and aim of the law is to become like Yahusha. And so the wrong understanding is the law is ended, made void, or destroyed for those who believe in Christ. That's the wrong understanding. The right understanding is the purpose of those in Christ is to be like Christ in following the law of righteousness. And that's what Apostle Paul wanted the Israelites to do. First, to be in him. Second, to live like him. And that's also the message he has for us. First, be in him by grace so that we can be like him in our walk or in the way we live. Okay. All right. Let's go to the last one for today. Galatians 4, 10 to 11. It says here, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. And you'll be surprised how many preachers use this, or should I should say misuse this, to teach against the observance of Sabbath and religious festivals. So what's the wrong understanding of Galatians 4, 10 to 11? Well, Apostle Paul rebukes those who go back to observing Sabbath and the religious festivals. That's how they interpret the verse. Let's go look at the verse, right? And so they say, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. And so in this passage, is Apostle Paul upset? Does he seem upset to you, Apostle Paul? Based on this passage, if you read it, does he seem upset? Yes, no, maybe. Yeah, right? Because he's saying, I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. In other words, 10 to 11, he is rebuking, right? He is rebuking the Galatians, am I right? Why is he rebuking the Galatians? Because they have gone back to observing days, months, seasons, and years. And because they have gone back to observe days, months, seasons, and years, he says, I'm afraid for you. Perhaps what I've been doing with you, preaching you the truth of the word of Yehovah, is in vain. And so those who read this passage, they misinterpret it and make the conclusion that Apostle Paul is rebuking them for keeping or going back to observing the Sabbath and the religious Festivals. Where do they get Sabbath and religious festivals? Days, months, seasons, and years. I want you to think about this passage. First of all, did Apostle Paul even mention religious festivals? Did he? <laughs> did he even mention Sabbath? So if someone were to use 4, 10 to 11 to teach us that Apostle Paul is rebuking those who observe Sabbath and religious festivals, are, a, are they adding to the Bible? Yeah, it does not mention Sabbath. It does not mention religious festivals. Yes, he is rebuking the Galatians, right? But what is the, why is Apostle Paul rebuking them? And who, who are the ones being rebuked by the Apostle Paul? What are we going to do? We're going to read what is before it. We have to read the context of this passage. So let's go ahead and read the context of this passage because this is often used and often cited by those who reject Sabbath that we should still 
that we should no longer observe Sabbath. Let's read eight to nine, okay? But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you serve those which by nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? Question, who is, who is Apostle Paul speaking to? When he wrote this passage to the Galatians, right? What kind of Galatians? Jews or Gentiles? What kind, of, what kind of Galatians? Jews or Gentiles? Because the Galatian congregation were composed of both Jews and Gentiles. But in this uh, specific passage, who was he addressing? Gentiles. What's the proof he was addressing the Gentiles? What's the proof? Huh? When you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. What's the proof? Apostle Paul is speaking to Gentiles in this passage because he mentioned to them before you got converted. You were, you were worshiping nature. <laughs> you were worshiping uh, things that should not be considered gods. Did the Jews do that? No. What did the Jews believe? They believed in one God. What's his name? Yahuwah, right? They believed in one true God, the invisible God. But the pagans... The Gentiles, what do they believe? They believed in many gods. They believed different aspects of nature were considered to be what? Gods. The truth of the matter is in Galatia, do you know who their chief god was? It was the sun god. Just like the Romans. The Romans and the Greeks, they all got it from the same source. And so they believed in many different gods, one of which is the sun god. And so Apostle Paul is writing to the Galatians. And he's speaking to the Galatians who were Gentiles. Why they were going back to the weak and beggarly elements. Question. When Apostle Paul rebuked them for turning again. You notice if you can see the passage. Uh, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements? When Apostle Paul said, how is it? That you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements. Are the weak and beggarly elements, Apostle Paul referring to the Sabbath? The festivals? What did Yahuwah say about his festivals? These are my holy convocations, which is to be observed as an everlasting covenant to be observed in the future, right? Yahuwah God says, these are my festivals, not Israel's, my festivals. And then you're going to say that the festivals of Yahusha, of Yahuwah, and the, the Sabbath of Yahuwah, those are weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage. It doesn't make sense, right? Apostle Paul, he was rebuking the Galatian converts, the Gentile converts, because they were going back to their pagan ways. What was included in their pagan ways? There are different religious festivities, which included, you know, which was observed in certain days and seasons and months. Truth of the matter is, even today, you know, in so-called Christendom, we still celebrate the sun gods festivals. Christmas, December 25. Do you know whose birthday is December 25? Ray, the sun god. The festival of Easter. This is also a festival of pagan belief. And so even today, we still have people who are into that. Apostle Paul, when he said that you're going back to weak and beggarly elements, he's not, going, he's not telling them you're going back to the Sabbath. You know why? Because the Gentiles never knew the Sabbath. They never knew the religious festivals. They had to be taught the Sabbath and the religious festivals. How can they go back to that they never observed before. Does it make sense? This is why when Apostle Paul said, why are you turning again to the weak and beggarly elements? It's not the Sabbath he's referring to. 
It's not the religious festivals he were referring to because they were not Israelites, Gentiles. They were practicing heathen practices. And so they did not know the Sabbath. They did not know the religious festivals. They had to be taught it. And so when Apostle Paul said, said uh, when Apostle Paul said here, you're turning again to the weak and beggarly elements, definitely, 100% certainty. It's not the Sabbath. It's not the religious festivals. This is why to use Galatians 4, 8 to 11. First of all, number one, they misunderstand the passage. Number two, they take it out of context. And number three, they are saying that the Sabbath and the religious festivals are weak and beggarly elements. My goodness, <laughs> how dare, how dare you say that about the Sabbath and the religious festivities, that they are weak and beggarly elements. Can you imagine that? I wonder how Yahuwah God would feel about that. You know, if there's ever one who preaches that, I think they should repent, Yahuwah. How dare could you say the Sabbath and the religious festivals are weak and beggarly elements? Did Apostle Paul, did Apostle Paul observe the Sabbath? Yeah. Acts 17, 2 to 3. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Yahusha, whom I preach to you is the Christ. Did Apostle Paul continue to observe the Sabbath? Yes or no? Yeah. Apostle Paul said, the Bible says, it was Paul's custom to observe the Sabbath. And even after his conversion, did he still follow the Sabbath? Yeah. Because here, when he met in the synagogue to observe the Sabbath, what did he preach about? Yahusha. So he was a convert already. He was a believer and follower of Yahusha. Yet he observed the Sabbath. And he reasoned using what? The scriptures. Now, what was the scriptures? What scriptures was he using? The Bible we have today? No, it's the Old Testament. He was using that. This is why Apostle Paul did not abandon the Sabbath. He observed the Sabbath. Well, how about the religious festival? Did Apostle Paul abandon the religious festivals? Let's read Corinthians 5, 7 to 8. Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened for indeed christ our passover was sacrificed for us does apostle paul know the feast of unleavened bread does he know about the feast of the passover yes does he know the ultimate fulfillment of passover yes because he himself said indeed christ our passover was sacrificed for us right after being converted to christianity after becoming a follower of yahushua does he now stop keeping, stop keeping the festivals? Keep reading. Therefore, therefore, let us keep the, what does it say? Feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so Apostle Paul explaining to the Corinthians the purpose of the Passover, its ultimate fulfillment in Christ. He did not say to them, stop keeping the feast. He said, keep the feast. He did not say abandon the feast, right? What else? Acts 20, verse 16. Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. So he observed the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of Pentecost, the uh, Passover, right? Did he abandon the, the feasts? Did he say to the followers of Yahusha that we should no longer follow the feasts? And if you continue to follow the feasts, then I'm afraid you're going back to beggarly elements. Is that what he said? No, he himself is leading by example. He observed the Sabbath and he's following the feast. You know how much dedication he had when it comes to observing the feast? Acts 18, 21. Uh, but took leave of them saying, I must. By all means, keep this upcoming feast in Jerusalem. It wasn't a small thing to him. It was a big thing. And back then, to keep the feast, you had to travel a great distance, right? But he did it anyways. And so Apostle Paul showed his dedication in keeping the feasts. 
in observing Sabbath. And so when we go back and look at Galatians 4, 8 to 11, now we can read it in context. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods, pagans, Gentiles. But now after you have known God or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? What is that, what is that referring to? They're pagan practices. What are these pagan practices? You observe days and months and seasons and years. It doesn't mention Sabbath. It doesn't mention the, fest the festivals. No, these were the pagan practices involving the Son of God. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. So Apostle Paul was concerned because they were ending up, they were going back to their old heathen practices when they used to worship other gods. And so Apostle Paul's letter here does not tell us, right? Apostle Paul rebukes the wrong understanding is Apostle Paul rebukes those who go back to observing Sabbaths and the religious festivals. No, the right understanding is Apostle Paul rebukes the Gentile converts who go back to pagan beliefs and rituals, right? But we know Apostle Paul, he preached the law, he lived and fulfilled the law. So we must be careful when it comes to understanding the letters of Apostle Paul. You see how easily you can be misled into believing that the law is void, right? But in every instance, when you look at these questionable passages, what does it show us? It reveals to us all the more the truth. It teaches us exactly the opposite, right? The opposite of what they say it teaches. Because what it teaches with proper understanding is that the law of Yahuwah Abba, the Ten Commandments, including the Sabbath, must be observed, must be kept by those who belong to Yahushua. And why must we be careful in observing the law of Yahuwah Abba? We're almost done. Hebrews 4, 1 to 3. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have some short, uh, some of you have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Apostle Paul is writing to us. His message is for all of us. Because there is a warning that he wants us to understand today about entering the promised rest of Yahuwah Abba and Yahusha Hamashiach, which is that promised rest today. That promised rest is in the millennial kingdom, right? That's the promised rest. There's a danger that we may not receive that promised rest. What is the danger? How can we fall short? That's what Apostle Paul said. How can we come short of this promised rest? Bible says when we receive the gospel, just as they did, our ancestors, if we receive the gospel without faith. You see, when we receive the gospel, when we receive the message today, we have to mix it with faith, right? We need to mix it with faith. What does that mean? Does mixing it with faith mean we abolish the law? No. This is why the Bible tells us we need to be careful because we might end up short of receiving that promised rest. How did our ancestors fall short of receiving that promised rest? Hebrews 4, 4 to 6. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Bible says that the ancestors, our Israel ancestors, right? They did not enter that rest. What do you mean? They did not enter that rest. They did not obtain Canaan as an inheritance. The promised land did not become their inheritance. Why did they fail? Because they disobeyed. What is one act of disobedience that was highlighted by this passage? They disregarded the Sabbath. And so what the Bible's doing here, what Apostle Paul's doing here is he's making a connection 
between what happened before and what can happen today. Before, Israel did not obtain its rest in the promised land. Why? Because of disobedience. They disobeyed the laws of Yahuwah, including observing the Sabbath. That's why it mentions here the seventh day. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. That's in reference to the commandments of Yahuwah Abba. So this, they disregarded the commandments of Yahuwah Abba. So they did not enter the rest. But there is still hope for us. When it says, when Yahuwah says, they shall not enter my rest, the Apostle Paul tells us there are some who must enter it. Who are they? Let's keep reading 7 to 10. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. And so what is the hope that we have? That we can obtain this promised rest that was not given to the people of Israel during the times of the prophets Moses and Joshua. It is the hope that we have. That in another day, there's another day that we can at last obtain that rest. During the days of Joshua, when the Israelites conquered Canaan, the promised land, did they obtain that rest? What is your answer? No. Why? Because even though they entered the promised land, what happened to them after? Were they able to keep it? Did that become their inheritance? No. What became of them? They were taken captives, right, to Assyria and then to Babylon. And so it was not fulfilled in them. The promised rest was not fulfilled in them. But the Bible says there's another day when this promised rest can be given. But what must we do so that we can receive this promised rest? The Bible says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. We must heed the voice of Yahuwah Abba. The voice of Yahuwah Abba represents his commandments, his laws for each and every one of us. That promised rest is a day. It's a day referring to the millennial reign. One day is a, as a thousand years. That's when we will have the promised rest. Because in that 1,000 years, guess what? Not only shall we enter the promised land, that will be our inheritance to fulfill what is promised by Yahuwah Abba. That his people will obtain the rest, the promised rest in the millennial kingdom through our king. Yahusha HaMashiach. And so let's heed his voice. Let's heed the laws of Yahuwah Abba. And we who belong to Yahusha, we have the way and the means by which we can obtain, by which we can obey the voice of Yahuwah Abba. How can we do this? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. In the book of Ezekiel 36, 26 to 28, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. You see the promise of belonging to the land as an inheritance to become the people of God. That will be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom. But for us to be a participant to, for us to belong to that rest. We must obtain a new heart by means of the spirit that Jehovah God will put in us. And this spirit was given to us when we became a part of Yahusha. And this is why for those who are in Yahusha, they're no longer condemned, but they have to walk in the spirit. And to walk in the spirit means having the spirit in us. To give us a new heart and a new mind so that we can keep and walk according to the statutes and keep the judgments and the laws of Yahuwah Alayim. This is why the grace of Yahusha, the grace of Yahuwah is not intended to void the law. The grace is for us to obtain the spirit so that by the power and strength of Yahusha, we can walk the way he walked so that we can obtain the promised rest. 
in the new kingdom, the kingdom of God, the millennial kingdom that will be set up here on earth. Okay, that is our lesson for today. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, yes. our merciful Allahim, loving Yahuwah Abba, yes, thank you for giving us your holy words. Yes. We know that your commandments, your laws, your teachings, they do not represent beggarly elements. Yes, they do not represent bondage. Yes. Rather, they are the law of liberty, yes. the law of freedom. Amen. It gives us joy. It sets us free from the law of sin and death. Yes. And so we praise you for your commandments. Yes. And we promise you we will obey them yes. all the days in our life. Amen. We ask that you please give us your spirit. Yes. May you give us a new mind and a new heart. Yes. That we can be discerning of your spirit. Yes. As we continue to abide by your teachings. Yes. In every circumstance. In Amen. every situation in our life. Please loving Abba. May you be the one to teach us. May you be the one to lead us and guide us. So that we will not fall short of your expectations. Yes. Instead. When at last you send your beloved son, yes, we will be able to hear his voice yes. and we will belong to him yes. as your kingdom on earth is established. Amen. Our King Yahushua, we will magnify yes. the law of Abba. This is what you did. You restored the law. Yes. You preached the law. You lived out the law yes. so that we can follow you as an example. Amen. Please help us by means of your spirit yes. to be able to become like you. In following the teachings of our Abba. Amen. Father, please bless your people. Continue to enlighten us. Yes. And may you send your Holy Spirit. To strengthen each and every one of us. Amen. We ask and beg everything. Loving Father. Yes. In the name of our Lord and Savior. Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.